sense. But now we're taking it back, taking it back to where it needs to go. And I reached out to this man and I have a lot of love and respect for him. His voice is a testament to our music. I mean, house music without this man doesn't exist in my book. His records are amazing. Even the ones from the beginning all the way through the 90s. I used to see him all the time in WMC and we're going to talk about all that stuff. But, you know, the one record that it's like either it's a ball and chain or a glory stands the test of time is someday as it was important then it's as important as it is now i like to introduce new jersey one of the greatest people i know one of the most talented brothers i know one of the most voices that is very recognizable next to Teddy Pendergrass and D-Train and Michael Wofford and all those great names. Put your hands together for Mr. C.C. Rogers. Thank you, Lanny. Hey, how are you, man? It's good to be here. Very good. It's Thank you. How, are you, how are you handling through COVID, first of all? Uh, it's, it's, it's been very challenging. Um, you know, um, just a couple of things, a couple of variations. I think mostly dealing with death in the in the um, in the sense of how I've been dealing with it. I, I've never had so many people that I've known in such a short span not just get sick, but actually die. Uh, just too many for me to even mention um, from 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 friends and family. So I think that's been more of of the challenge for me of trying to stay positive and cope. Uh, I never really sweat about, you know, I, I hear a lot of my friends complaining about, man, we lost so much money, you know, we would be on tour, we'd be doing it. And, you know, as long as we have our health and our strength, you know, that'll return, that'll come back. However, you know, death, <laughs> there's no coming back. That's true. You can never replace those great souls and the talent and the friendships and the family that we've all lost due to this. But when it first started, who the hell ever thought this was this horrific? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm more, I'm more, um, I think I'm more upset at, uh, at my country, our country, you know, um, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's, I try not to, I, I refuse, I, ever since this guy was elected, man, I refuse to, to comment or say anything about the p political thing. But uh, as John Lewis says, if you, if, you, if, you, if you don't speak about it, you're just as guilty, man. And, um, you know, I don't want to get off the subject of what we want to talk about. No, it's all right. Let's, let's talk about it. We got plenty of time. Don't worry about it. America has never been behind or treated like a third world country ever that I know of, and, 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 and I'm up there in age, I'm over 50, and you're over 50. We have always been admired. We've always, you know, we could literally say we were the best country when it comes to science or to, or to technology or, or, or to innovations. We, we, you know, whether they made it from China or whatever, we came out with the phones, you know. We, our diversity, our, our ethics, you know, us being multicultural is why we're, number one country, but now this division is showing how, you know, 
I, you and I are banded from going to Europe right now. <laughs> That's, I never. How you think? How does that make I you feel? Because I, I feel terrible about this. You don't know. I can't get on a plane and go to Italy right now. I can't go to Spain or, because or, what? <laughs> Incredible, Lenny, right? I, I, it, it, it's surprise. It's like, you know, it's almost like I'm in a, in a, in a bad dream, you know? It's normally, you know, but we know the reasons why. I don't want to, you know. No, this is the reason. That there's never been a time in history where America was banned to travel anywhere outside its own borders, ever. <laughs> well, I'm you know, I was promised we were going to have a border wall. They didn't mention that we're going to be bordered in like a jail. That was never part of my deal with that border wall. I went, I don't ever want this border wall, but now... If you travel and you earn your coins, and I say your coins from traveling as a DJ, as an artist, choreography, dancing, whatever you do, pilot, you're just a pilot, cruise director, anything. This is the first time in my lifetime, no less yours and many of others, where you could take that gloriful passport and put it next to the toilet paper. That's what it's just about good for right now. Absolutely. But you know what? Wipe your tears, CC, because goddamn, we're going to get through this. And you know it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We're in an election year and some major changes are happening. You know, people keep telling me everything must change. I don't like that expression, but it does happen. It does happen. It's forcing people to, to realize that you are in no control of anything. Absolutely. First time in my life, I feel like I had no control of anything. I don't know about you, but that's how I feel. But, you know, I have these conversations with many great artists, and they all feel the same. They're like, look, we're just going to stick it out, and God help us. With God's speed, we can get through this, and we will do everything we can. We'll just stay vigilant and stay healthy. That's the other part, because I keep hearing about a second wave coming back. And that's what's scary. Is it going to be worse than the first one? Are they going to wind up closing down everything again? Where are we going to be at with this? News came from Ibiza. And Italy and Europe, Germany said, we are shutting down all parties now. Everything stopped again, like really stopped. They gave it a moment of reprieval. They gave time for people to try out some things. And they didn't like what they saw. So... The most important thing is, is just keep making music. But you know what, people? We're not here to have you try those gosh damn eyes. Come on now. I want to make CC, I want him to tell you his story. And when I say his, like history, his story, because his story is very important. And I want to ask the first question. Where does CC come from? We know it came from his mom and dad. You know, and he was born. We got that part. But we don't really know the real CC. We want to know, and his little kid, what was the influences? We know he's a musician. We know he's a singer. But I'm going to let CC tell you that. Go ahead, man. You tell him where you come from, boy. Go okay, ahead. Okay. was pretty simple. I was born in Cleveland, Ohio, <clears throat> the Midwest, uh, which is about an hour away from Detroit. Uh, in Ohio, where Dayton, I, I lived Growing up, uh, I lived in Dayton. I lived in Atlanta. Uh, my mom moved around a lot all over Cleveland. So um, I grew up basically, you know, in the church as most young black musicians do and playing piano. But I also had a classical background, was, exp uh, was 
introduced to jazz in, 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 in high school and loved it. Uh, got a scholarship to go to Berkeley College of Music. CC, just one second, bro. Just bring up your volume a little bit. A couple of people mentioned the volume is a little low from your gotcha, end. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Let me... Uh, They're saying, please, we want to hear the story. And it's a little low. <laughs> that better? Is that the, better? Children are, the children are crying. Like, it's just low. Bring him up. Bring him up. I don't have is that better? Is that better? Can you hear me better now? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. All right. So, so where were we? Before, before? Too much. Too much. Bring it down just a little bit. You're distorting. Okay. Okay. Is that better? Testing one, two, three. Perfect. There you go. Two. Okay. So before uh, going to college, like I said, I grew up in the church. I played in jazz band. I went to Shaw High School. Hey, Shaw Cardinals. And um, I was introduced to a lot of type of music as far as classical, uh, jazz, funk, uh, and gospel, pretty much. And I carried all of that with me as I went into uh to Berkeley study. I had a had a wonderful opportunity of meeting musicians there that would become, you know, legends in their cells in jazz, whether it was Bradford, with Marcellus, uh, 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 God, so many names that I forgot, but uh, jazz cats, punk cats, people that were fighting their cells. Uh, my partner who, who uh, Rico Tyler, shout out to you. And um, I would go on to, uh, uh, after college, I went to, I came to New Jersey, well, New York, actually, where I kind of ran to you before you even knew who I was, because you were playing. Um, I was at Underground at that time. Yeah, you was, was Underground. Studio. I knew who you were. You didn't know who I was. I was struggling. I literally uh, I, I lived, I was uh, in Central Park for two weeks before I, I found a spot here in New Jersey. And, and well, no, I actually stayed in um, the, the village for a little while, and then I moved here. But like most struggling musicians, I, I, I got into going to the clubs, uh, the village band. Okay, so, so before you go further, tell people what, paint the picture of what Central Park and New York was like at that time when you were trying to get in there. 84, 1984, uh, a, a little bit before the Central Park uh, Five, the uh, I, uh, uh, Reverend Sharpton, it was, it was, it was crazy. Central Park was a dangerous area. I had a car, I had a Ford and uh, uh, I had nowhere else to go. Um, you know, a week, I never forget. Cause I didn't know my, I didn't know my surroundings, but uh, it was amazing. But I got to see uh, the not so good parts of New York at the time, you know, the hungry. You know, but the people were still nice even then. You know, it was not a, um, I can't say how, you know, you said it was dangerous, but Lenny, I'm going to tell you what happened to me. <laughs> tell it, please tell it. This is what makes it real. Come on, that's true house stories. Come on now. <laughs> I, I, I didn't get into the violent part, but I did get a lady, uh, I show you how, how you, you know, why, why New York, this is one of the reasons why New York big state of New York never supported Donald Trump because we know a con artist when we see one, right? And he's from New York, but let's not go into that. We're just going to just be honest. I came from Cleveland and I saw, uh, I thought I was getting a deal. I was at the train, I was at Penn Station and I saw a nice white woman with a little kid trying to sell a TV because she had to get out of town real quick. Okay, and she got me for $300. You know, Lenny, the TV had a rock in it, right? That was my, 
That was my first experience in New York City. Con yeah, artist. It's called Yo Man. That's she knew movie. she saw me coming. You're the ba- that's the bamboozle. I bought a TV, thought it was a three hundred dollars. She had the fast Eddie. She had the seat. Remember Eddie? Remember fast? What was it? Um, uh, 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 what was it? What was it? What was the big Crazy electric? Eddie? Crazy Eddie? Crazy Eddie. She had the box. It was wrapped. She was like, oh, I gotta get out of here. I was moving. My, my husband was gone. But she had this whole good story. You know, white woman. I'm like, oh, I got a good deal. She wanted like 500 bucks. I got her down to 300. I got that damn thing. It was a rock in it. Never forget. Heavy ass piece of crap you paid for. TV was so I was a big thing going around tours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now wait, wait. So not only that, you got to drag this damn thing back. <laughs> you paid. Man. I got a great TV, but what'd you get? A big piece of SHIT. Rock shit. That was one of my first experience. So yeah, that was uh, crazy. Then I, I, you know, I stayed in New York City for like six months, and then I found my way over to New Jersey, and uh, that's where I would stay to this day. Yeah. New Jersey. New Jersey. Start in the Oranges area. Where are you now? In which part? I've been for a while now, but I'm in the Montclair area now. Okay, that's a beautiful area. Very yeah, beautiful. But nice. back then. There was a club called Zanzibar. Absolutely. Larry Patterson and T. Scott. Yes, yes. Working it. Before Tommy Humphreys Humphreys became huge. Before Humphreys became huge. Humphreys came through there. David Morales came through there, yeah. David Morales, if he's watching, you know we always mention, we forget to mention, but yes, it's true, David Morales came through Zanzibar. Hippie. Hippie Torales opened the club. Hippie Torales, oh my gosh. Yeah. So we, you haven't done music yet. You're still trying to find your way. So you got into New York. You're looking around. You made to Jersey. I'm doing music. I'm doing music. So I'm, tell I'm us, yeah, what's going on? What's I, going I, on that time? I, I had a job. I had a substitute teaching job. I was in the school substitute teaching and playing in, you know, playing in the, in the clubs, you know, getting around, trying to shop material. But three years before I signed to Atlantic and met Marshall Jefferson, I was shopping around trying to get a deal trying to come out doing R&B. I would audition. I was going to ask you, what was the genre? I went to Atlantic. I went to Casablanca, uh, uh, Epic, all of the radio stations, all the record companies. And it wasn't that they turned me down. They actually hired me. They actually had me, uh, but they didn't see me as an artist. They didn't see me. You know, I was, I was over 350 pounds. You know, uh, I just wasn't marketable at that time. And it was already a Luther Vandross. I was doing commercials. Uh, I started off, uh, one of my first major gigs was working behind uh, Melville Moore and Freddie Jackson and Lilo Thomas. I worked over at Hush Production uh, as as an MD with bands, you know. So I was working, but uh, I couldn't go ahead. And I was kind of Except that, like, cool, you know, I remember people saying, the guy can sing, he's, you know, he plays several instruments, but, uh, yeah, we can't really, you know, we don't see him, you know, at that time, even then, even for a male artist, you had to have a, you know, that whole image just didn't require you to be, you know, talented you had to have a certain look you had to have a certain you know you got to understand michael jackson and 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 those cats was dominating so you know it just didn't fall with women it was just you know record business in the business for selling 
a, a brand and I just was not marketable. Even Luther Vandross had it hard at that time. Uh, and that's where house music saved me, allowed me to have a career because they didn't give a, a damn about how you look. It was always about the feel. Um, and that was a good thing. Was that because of the MTV thing that was going on? Because remember, MTV had just gotten to the point where it's becoming the, the thing that everyone's trying to record. Yeah. Yeah, MTV was, was, was putting a different spin. People were coming at that time. Uh, when I came along, by the time I signed to Atlantic, you couldn't do a album without having at least one or two videos. So yeah, uh, there, was a there was a visual thing going on in the mid 80s. Right. So people don't get that. They don't understand that it wasn't just that magical voice, because think about it. If you looked at, say, the spinners, the band mm -hmm. of spinners and stuff, would they have been able to be marketable in that time if they didn't have the all the history behind them, all the gold records behind them? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we didn't have that visual. You just you you, you put the music on, you heard it and you loved it. It wasn't about a visual thing. And then MTV changed the whole game. And well, what's I think, that like for you, you know, as an artist? I think, I think, I think it was always that way. When you had Teddy Pendergrass or people, or people Thompson, there was always good looking guys out there. But the, you know, when the when MTV came along, well, because when MTV first came out, they really wasn't supporting black artists. You know, they were more or less, you know, concentrating on pop, you know, it wasn't until BET, but BET was coming along at that time as well. So I think that, you know, music videos, ex, you know, exposed it more, but it was not a, it was not a major thing. You didn't have to be, but you had, you had the Chitlin Circuits, which was live performance and you had to be good, you know. Uh, in my case, like I said, I was, I was pushing 370 when I got out of school. I was, I was a big dude. I was a big dude. I look at some of the videos when I was performing at Club 88 and my manager who actually combined, who put Marshall and I together, you know. Who was uh, that manager at that time? My manager at the time was Billy Press. Billy oh, Press. I'm in from Zanzibar. <laughs> Billy from Zanzibar, Club yes. America. Billy Press. Oh he he saw the talent. Now, the thing is, is that he was just like any other A&R guy. He, when he first saw me, I was performing with a group called Platinum Hook when he first saw me. I think he came around because I was always local. I was There was a lot of local clubs around here. There was Zanzibar. There was Mr. West. There was Bogies. There was, oh, man, there was... I can't remember a lot, a, a lot of the place. Club 88. There was just so many. Club 280. Peppermint Lounge. The Peppermint, oh, the Peppermint Lounge. There was all these clubs, and I was there. I was always there. But again, there was the, wow, he's a great performer. He sounds, you know, and then I really hadn't found myself because I sound a lot like Luther. There was this, you know, I was doing everything that Luther was. I hadn't really come out and really found who C.C. Rogers was. I was still... Well, what was the song was at that time that you remember that you did? That, you know, that what was the song that was standing out that you were like at that time pushing hard, hoping to get a deal on? What was... Because everybody has that one song you're saying, damn, this is right. I know this can get signed. Pre-Sunday, of course. You know, what... Song called, a song called Lonely Girl that was on my on my uh, first album. It was... Um, but it was it was very R and B. It was very what I what I grew up with, and I didn't see what I I I knew what house music was. You know, it was just something. What I loved about house back then was that it was like it was amazing for me because 
you know, you you had gay and straight people going in the clubs, black and white, and they're going in there hanging out, Studio 54 or, or the garage, and there was no, there was no check, there was no people fighting, there was, you couldn't get that at a hip hop club. It was like, what is this? You know, and people would go in at nine o'clock, you know, we would go in with t-shirts on, and we would dance and perform all night. I loved it. Well, but Lenny, it was underground. Well, I did not, he, he, you got to remember at that time, at that time, that, that music wasn't being played on the radio. You got to remember there was a separation. What you were playing in 84, 85 was just in the club. Oh, oh, the only time you heard it on the radio was when Tony Humphreys was playing it on Kiss FM or, or different. Or Timmy Regisford or Merlin right, Bob. Timmy Regisford. They weren't really playing it mainstream. In, in fact, it, it, it never really got mainstream until much, much later. But it was going mainstream overseas. Yes. That never changed. Dance music was always prevalent. But, you know, you're painting a picture of what Bentley's looked like on a Saturday night R&B. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm, and I, and I can Silver see Shadow, Silver Shadow, remember? Yeah. Right, Silver Shadow and Sugar Daddy DJing. Yes. I, remember, I could just see it. Yeah. Jeans. Kevin, Kevin Whitley's mouth. Yeah, what's it? <laughs> so, you're, so you're trying to make records that you want him to play so that maybe Frankie Crocker would get on BLS. Like somehow. Right. I was pushing, I was pushing myself as, 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 the next Luther or the next, I was going and I wanted, that's the direction I wanted to go. I was, I was already behind like people, people, not people, I said, Freddie Jackson. I was already in there. I was, I worked with, you know, I was a music director with uh, Whitney Houston. I was behind the scenes trying to push out, you know. You hear and, that people? You hear that? He said that he was behind the scenes. It wasn't like he was just discovered out of nowhere. He was there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. For three years, three years, I was behind the working scenes, hard, hard, pushing, working hard, working hard. And like I said, I was, you know, it wasn't that they were just closing the doors. It was like, what can we do with them? And like you said, the record company. You gotta understand, it's about. It's always been about business. Okay, can we make a living with this? Can we make some money with this guy? No. Okay. Uh, can we use his music? Let's sign you to a publishing deal. Let's sign you to a record. So they had me writing with people. They had me going on the road with different people. That was it, okay? Enter house music, enter Billy Press, okay? Billy Press made me a resident, uh, put my band in there because he liked the fact that it was only three or four of us and we used to sound like a seven, eight piece band. You know, synthesizers take, my band Rico Tyler, who, who was part of the a Diva fan, he and had his- Productions, Rico was right, smack. Right, right. We went to college together. Him and I was Rico, in a, one of the most talented keyboard players I know in the game. That's a story within itself because I know. He a, I, I, in fact, I've been saying he that was a year, him too. He was a year ahead of me in Berkeley, and him and I would become so close during the Berkeley years that I came here to Jersey first and went to the New York area. And then when he came down, he came into my band, and we just went crazy because it was just four of us. It was my friend uh, Cochise, who's now Baba, was on the bass, who also went to Berkeley, uh, Glenn Branch on the drums, myself on the keys and Rico. We were four-piece band, and we sound like an eight-piece band, and we were doing it all. We were doing jazz, we were doing funk. We were... So Billy Press made us the, the pit band uh, uh, for Club 88 every week, and we were there, and that's where I really honed my talents, and that's where he hooked me up with Marshall Jefferson. And that relationship 
would change my Everything. whole career, Everything. my whole destiny. And it was, it was uh, even to this day, I talk to, I talk to Marshall every day. That's how, how close we are. He would become like, not just a musical mentor, but a brother. And it was a crazy relationship because it started off with a fight. <laughs> we would fight throughout the years, but not like fight, fight. We just had this relationship because Marshall, as you was talking about, Marshall is so big, he should have a Bentley. Marshall is a very simple brother. He's a very simple dude that is a genius, okay, period. But it's hard to recognize his geniuses because he's just, you know, I think of, when I think of people like Al Jarreau, who was just a phenomenal, phenomenal singer, phenomenal, the things that he did, it's, it's, it's like Marshall. Marshall had such a background, but he was simple with this house thing, you know? He actually played like this, like, like he couldn't play, you know? <laughs> he always hit, he always hit records and he couldn't play. And here I am classically trained. So let me, I, I know that he probably tell you the story, but let me tell you from my point of view. So your perspective, go ahead. My, my perspective was Billy, Billy was very close with, with Marshall, had him performing everywhere from Zanzibar, was booking him around. And Marshall had this song uh, called, uh, called Someday. He had already written it. And Marshall, uh, Billy says, why don't you let Cece, you know, why don't you put some, hook Cece up, then you guys come together. So Mar Billy knew that I was this musician airhead, you know, out of Berkeley, straight up into, you know, my influences, Ramsey Lewis, uh, 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 Bob James, uh, you know, uh, Rachmaninoff, Chopin. I'm just into the, the, you know, musicianship, Chicago, Earth, Wind & Fire, band, you know, music, music. And don't get me wrong. It wasn't that I didn't think house music wasn't music. It's just that, Lenny, my word was, it was simple. It was simple. It was, you know, it didn't, you know, I wouldn't call it cheesy. You know, it was a little bit out of the disco area and it was poppy and it just, you know. Come so on, man. Come on. I call it what it was. Stop. I ain't doing that gay shit. I ain't doing it. Are you crazy? That shit's time. How many times I, I heard that? How many times I, I heard I, that from all the fellas? Not you necessarily, but I heard that how many times? I ain't doing that shit. I ain't doing that music. I said. Exactly. I wasn't. I Well, because I didn't think that house music would do what it did. I, I, like I said, we're all, we're all, I am so blessed. And I'm going to tell you where, where, why, because to be 58 years old and to still be touring and to be traveling and to have a consistent career is incredible because it's unheard of, unheard of. of people who started out with me, who have bigger records, who are much known in the black community, had number one hits that's been on billboard and they have other jobs now. It's a lesson, but I can't say that I planned that because I didn't. So when Billy, when Billy orchestrated this, this uh, union between Marshall Jefferson and I, it was going to be a one-off deal. I didn't think that I was, you know, I like everybody. So I flew out to Chicago. I met, I never forget, uh, Marshall called me up. We got on the phone. He was very, you know, Southern type of, you know, even though he's from Chicago, he had this, you know, so he just laid back. Imitate we him. Imitate him for everybody. Because people don't know how he talk, but imitate him. Go ahead. Hey, man, how you doing? <laughs> I was, I get, oh, oh, CC, oh, oh, nice to meet you, man. Oh, oh. <laughs> just like him. Oh. 
uh, you coming out to Chicago? Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting you. And, you know, he was a very, very nice guy. You know, I got this record. And, you know, he was like, 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 like. So I went out there. As I'm going to do this song, it's going to be, you know, I didn't even want to do the song. I heard it was okay. What I did like is that the lyrical contact was deep even then because it was just what I've always talked about. It was about equality, unity. There was no questioning about the lyrics. Someday we'll all, all be free, you know. That was it was like damn this dude wrote 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 some serious lyrics, but the track itself was like dun 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 dun. I was like, let's say everybody's gonna play for you. Listen, chords. It was just so simple. It was just so simple. Where I would have had to be like, I would have had it all caught. I would have messed it up. It just wouldn't. Now the CC that I that 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 has kind of like matured. I would have messed it up. Anyway, <laughs> Marshall. It was just simple. So we went out there to Chicago, and um, Marshall has his own version, and it's pretty much similar. But I remember that they had this big baby grand. Uh, I think it was Streeterville Studios on it. They had a baby grand, acoustic baby grand, in the middle of the floor. And I remember Billy telling me distinctively, CC, when you go out there, the guy is 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 a producer. He's not a piano player. Uh, um, you know, don't go out there showing off playing your piano and and do that. I went out there, man. I sat down on the piano and I played Chopin, uh, 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 uh in A flat. And the girls that came out, you know, there was women in the studio. They also kept beautiful women around. It was like, oh my God, I was playing classical. Uh, Joe Smooth and them was in, in another room. And it was just, <laughs> Marshall came by like, oh, okay. Ah, we're going to play. All right. Went into the studio. And uh, it was cold. It was freezing. Uh, Lenny, you know, Chicago and in the wintertime. So I was warming up. I had just got the, the guy the tech people when they got the uh, tea and I'm warming up. <clears throat> what is that? What is that warm up process for you when you know, as a well, I do, I, you know, I like, like most singers, I had learned, I had worked, I had the opportunity to work with Aretha Franklin and, you know, just the scales. And stuff like that. But I didn't even get a chance to do that. I was just clearing the track was on. So and I was just doing stuff like that while the track was on because when I came in, I think the guy I forgot his name is Steve Fisk. I don't know. He was he's already the track was being played. So I said, no problem, just play it. And I'm gonna warm up to it. I'm warming up to it and I'm singing the track. And I happened because first my eyes were closed. I had studied the words on the plane going over. So I kind of knew the song. I wanted to be prepared. And when I happened to look up over the over, over the booth, I saw Marshall like this, you know, hands up like this, you know, and, and, and there was some girls behind, big breast girls, and they were breast like, assist, you know, big breast assist? big breast <laughs> <laughs> and they were doing this, and I'm just warming up, so I'm like, wow, they're like okay, all right, cool. So Marshall was like, after this. He's like, okay. He said, that's a rap. What? He said, that's a rap, man. He says, man, you're phenomenal. He said, CC is the best, best vocal. He said it right then. He says, the best vocal in house ever. 
huh? I, I, I said, man, I just warmed up. I'm, I'm ready to sing the truck now. And Marshall says, no, we're good. <laughs> you go back to the hotel. We're good, man. You want to you you get something to eat? You want to hang out? We're done. And I looked at him like, I just flew all the way out here to Chicago. Are you crazy? I'm not, you know, so that was our first argument. I said, man, I got to do this. You argued after that? You were arguing? We didn't really argue. It was just like, I, 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 I came all the way out here, man. I need, to, I need to lay these vocals down. I'm not, this is nothing. This is nothing. And so Marshall's like, okay. And I said, go ahead. He told the engineer, let him, let him do what he want. And Marshall got up and went to McDonald's. I, that's Marshall. Mm-hmm. Marshall got up and went to McDonald's. I, I'm sitting there. I sung the song. I lived it the way I want. I took all the flat notes out. And, you know, because, you know, when you're singing you know, live and performance stuff like that. I want to make it perfect because this is going to be on the radio. This is going to be a record. This is going to be a record. You don't want to get all them note bad stuff on there. Marshall was like, sent it to, uh, make a long story short, they sent it to Atlantic. They went crazy. They wanted to put it out. I heard the final version. I was crying because I was like, no, man, you don't hear all that. You know, I, I'm not hitting the notes right. Uh, someday. No, it's not. I'm, I'm sliding in. I want, I want to someday. I want to hit it like right. It's like, because we didn't have any Melodyne or auto tunes. We had to do it right then and there. Record company flew me back out there uh, to do it again. We did it again. Went back to Atlantic, Merlin Bob and uh, Sylvia Rome. They wanted the very first take. Demo take. The, basically the demo vocal. You they the vocal. demo take. And I st- to that day, I never understood. Well, I understand now with music because you got to understand that for musicians, we can learn the technical and the clean stuff. It, it always comes from the soul and how you feel. It has to be emotional. Use. Uh, uh, some of your singers, that there are singers that always sing flat, you know, you can't sometimes you go to Juilliard, you go to Berkeley, and you can be brainwashed or you can be too technical and you it's too polished. And I was kind of polished a lot to the point where all my years of being with Marshall, working with him, and I became his uh our relationship would become so deep. Uh, I would I would be his keyboard man, I would travel with him. We 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 you know, I would do a lot of projects with Marshall. It was all about what's, how it felt. It was never about how clean it was or, or, or you know, th- that's what house music is all about, isn't it? Back in the day, it was all about the rawness. It was always yeah, that's about That's what the gave that emotion. The street element is what made house music stand Absolutely. out. That, you mentioned Peebo, Bryson, and all those names. Those are polished songwriters and singers that are so well. They don't play. As soon as they open their mouth, it's like perfect pitch. Everything's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not this record. Absolutely. This record went against all the grains of what you were taught. Everything. And 30 years later, I'm being asked to perform that song no matter what. It's it's amazing. I didn't know that. I didn't see that. And 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 so, you know, my relationship with Marshall was was a, to this day, it's a forever uh uh learning process in fact me and marshall used to have arguments in studios because we we would be working in studios and people say marshall is not going to work in the studio now he probably will but 
back in the day, we, we work in the studio an hour, two hours, and he wants to go to the movie. There was no all day in the studio thing. Marshall's like, if it didn't feel right, let's go to the movie, man. Let's get up. <laughs> Marshall's like, if it's there, it's there, you know? And it, it was a lesson for me. In fact, he used to tell me, he said, CeCe Berkeley messed you up. <laughs> he used to always say that. He said, Berkeley messed you up. Oh, all that theory, all that theory. And uh, he turned out to be, it turned out to be right. It turned out to be true. It's, it's at crazy, least in my, right? at, it's at crazy, least in my, right? my, my opinion. Listen, you could have been a PhD of a doctor of music there. And at the end of the day, what does that mean when it doesn't feel right at the end? It all it always comes down to you. There's someone who tells me he bought this keyboard that's got a thing on it that lets him put chords together. That's what was crazy for me, because I'm classically trained too, and I was like, "What? What are you exactly. talking about? The thing has exactly. chords to be put." He said, "Man, I just played this thing," and I said, "Well, you had Jeffy musical training? No." And Marshall would slow down. Marshall would take a 120 beat. He'd slow it down to 60 or 50 and play what he needed to play, literally. I I, I saw Marshall. I had an apartment in East Orange, and. We had this uh, Yamaha FZ, I forgot what it was, because it was like in the beginning of MIDI. It was in the beginning of MIDI, 84, 85, when he came out with Move Your Body. He would come over my house with this little box of a sequencer, and he would slow stuff up and play. And I'm like, man, I could play this for you, stuff like that. But most of his records, it's a genius, man. The dude is a genius, period. And, I wish you would tell us. He'd be like, yo, man, stop. <laughs> like, yo man stop this man come on man i know how he is he's like come on dude man i love that brother love that brother because i asked him the same question well you and he was you know we all know later on we found out you know he was working he had a full-time job at the post office and yeah. some of the friends he was working with turned out to be curtis the singer this guy was on this record they all worked together in the chicago yeah. post office together yeah 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 it was funny because all my all my life growing up, I started I started playing piano when I was five years old. That I would get introduced to music that would strip me from everything I learned and go back to the basics. But like I said, Lenny, it it you know it, if it wasn't for house music, I don't even know if I would still have a career in music other than being a teacher, which I have taught. You know, I would have taught it, but I would not have experienced it on this level. Well, that's why it's called on the job training. Yeah. There ain't no other way to put it. Except Absolutely. just like that. Because there ain't no two days alike in this job. Exactly. 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 So Chicago, you go to this beautiful studio, you get blessed to warm up, do the song. You think this thing is crap. You're like, let me sing it for real. When did you hear it out and you were blown? And when what was the first actually, spot you heard? Well, well, I actually heard it my manager let me hear it oh, two weeks later he said they're going crazy for it. merlin bob wants to sign it as is and i was complaining from that day on no 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 and you know marshall was like so i've heard it but what happened was, was that within a month later uh tony humphreys played it on his uh i think he was with bls at the time or kiss i don't know when it was he played it on his uh what, what, what they call it, Lenny, what did they call it in the midnight? The, the oh, Saturday the Master Mix. Master, master Mix Dance Party. I'm sorry, yeah. The Master Mix. Just and so you know, Marshall's over here cursing us both out. 
on the really? I could hear him yelling I, I, I at us. At He's like, you <laughs> fools, what's going on? I'm talking, blah, blah, blah. I know you're here, Marshall. We're, we're also paying you nooch right now because we're letting somebody else tell their story. You I just got to tell your story. I will beat, beat your ass like a drum. <laughs> Marshall, you could never beat me, okay? Even now. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, if that ever does happen, I want to be the I want to be the Don King and put that pay per view special together. Marshall <laughs> Jefferson and CC Rogers together. We almost we almost went to blows, but it was not because never we always argued about musical. Um, he really had to to teach me, and he did. I, I considered I considered that I learned from him because, you know. You know, before there was Drake, before there was all these, before rap and before these auto tunes and all this stuff, Marshall was telling me it's about the feel. So he was preparing me for this type of music that was on his way. I, like I said, I was coming out of the the Peebo Bryson, the 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 the, the, the uh, 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 label mates that there, there, there was Chucky Booker, there was Glenn Jones, there was these uh, uh, there was these singers that was just polished that my Luther, you know, there was all of these. So Marshall was 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 teaching me. And and so James um, Ingram. They oh, Jesus. The, these guys were like, you know, these God. That, these were that, whole, God. that whole that whole Quincy Jones type yes. of production, you know, was 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 where I was, you know, where where I you know I was just a fan of. And Marshall was like, nah man, you know, he was just very you know, and so it was a, a teaching process. But we we when we, we we almost had a fight, uh, but it was not because uh it was not because of music. It was uh uh it was because of, over over uh, it was because of a girl. I knew that. <laughs> well, not like you think, even though we had the same we had the same taste in woman, we didn't we we never no okay, no so before we get to that we never fought over a girl in the sense of I, I, you know, we were brothers. I, if he had a girl, that was his girl. No, 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 no. We never. All right. Well, that's another story. Anyway. <laughs> so Byron Stingley. I said nothing bad about one of his girls. Okay. So yeah. Byron Stingley is the hangout partner of Marshall. Right. And then Byron next month gets married, and and here comes Cece and Marshall. Hide your women. Here they come. <laughs> Because I do remember that. Hide your women. Here comes these two players. Hide them quick. So take it from there. You hang tight with MJ now. It ain't Michael Jackson. This is Marshall Jefferson. And you as CC Rogers now running around as his wingman, club to club, strength to strength. Go ahead. Tell us how that broke down. Some things we are not going to talk about. No, Some... you don't have to go. You don't have to go. <laughs> Let's let's just see, let's keep it G rated. Let's, let's just put it this. Let's just put it this way, Lenny. We had fun. We had a lot of fun. It was music. It was woman. Uh, we didn't do drugs, and that's what we didn't do drugs. We never got. We just saw so many of that. You know, we we were we were scared as hell about drugs. Uh, on that thing, we wanted you know, but the woman was. Let me tell you something. We lost a lot of money and 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 shit. The the money that we lost, we might as well have been doing drugs because women are just as expensive. <laughs> Marshall gonna get mad at me, man. But uh, I remember Marshall doing uh, fourteen different, uh, fifteen different flowers to different women 
uh, around the world for Valentine's Day. Let me tell you that, Diddy. I'm, I'm in trouble. I already know I shouldn't have said this. I know. <laughs> It was years ago, Marshall. It was generations. What? Listen, hold on, stop. Listen, it was, Roses. it was a generation ago, but it was it was like that. How many different colors of, of, of Daddy? I don't, man. And it was different. He was innovative. I mean, that was some. That was some. I mean, and these women were all over the world. Now, this wasn't like just Chicago. All over the world, roses. I mean, like, and I'm talking about not cheap. I'm okay, I'm getting a message. I'm like, <laughs> shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down. I know I will be in trouble. I will be in trouble. It's okay. We, this, is, this is a family show. We love things like this. This is what makes house music, true house stories, true house stories. People love this shit. This is what they want to hear. They don't want to hear, oh, we clean the piano with Pledge. Who cares about that? We want to hear about how many different color roses did he pick out? You were there. You were the wingman. Come on now. You remember. Your, your memory is as good as my memory because we didn't do the drugs. So let's go there. Yeah, yeah, how yeah, funny yeah. was it? How cool was it? Come on. Bring us was, back. There's also, there's another thing about that was going on too. We had HIV and AIDS going on at the same time. We were losing yeah. our brothers and sisters in the music industry. I remember that as clear as day during that yeah. era. Okay. Yeah, we had so, it. We had it. We had it. We, how was that handling? How were you handling that with making music, running around all the clubs, kind of like a celebrity? Because you were starting to become a celebrity now. Well, in our tour, right? In our tour, we had, we had, we had, uh, we had different type of, uh, we had boxes of uh, condoms. You know, we didn't just, try. <laughs> we didn't just try. We, we didn't, you know, we started off with the ones carrying in your wallet and stuff, and then it became a big thing. You know, you know, the the whoever was the tour manager, make sure you have boxes, and we 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 were very careful. I think the one thing that I do regret. Well, the fun was that I didn't, um, like most people, the money that we made and the money that we lost, you know, uh, in my case, I don't know about Marshall. I thought that it would not, you know, we were on this level. We were making a lot of money. We was working with some, everybody, you know, whether it was Aretha, Lauren Hill, we were just working with everybody. Remixes, just, you know, I, I had been up under a lot of, you know, people you know i was doing dave david morales's projects we was just working and it was good stuff the money was great and uh, i thought it was gonna always be and because i didn't do drugs uh because i wasn't i you know i didn't do the investing that i should have did back then and i should have been putting the money saying i should know better you know even though because you know uh someday came out i was 24 24 and Marshall I, just broke in Marshall, Marshall want me to break in and tell you we would compare condom brands for quality yep <laughs> it's true it's true at least he's trying to speak through the he's writing he's working hard for you you know what I'm saying he's pushing that carrot he's like damn this boy I gotta clear up if he's gonna remind <laughs> of what's going on you heard that he you heard what I just said he would make sure they would check for quality. They have conversations. They have our music. They want to make sure it's quality. We don't <laughs> want that cheap shit. Send that back. That's not an our rider. So anyway, you're working with Morales, Aretha Franklin, all these great Lauren Hill, all these great acts. And, you know, you're touching pop music world now, too. You're doing house music is 
is is a fresh new genre. And guess what? You are part of the first to actually crack that door open to go pop. Right, right. You know, think about that. The first is always a first, and you were the first to have one of those records that crosses across, and it's no longer a house record now. It's now R and B dance record or R and B. And Lenny, it was so. You know what was so funny is that when Someday came out, uh, my grandmother died in two thousand. God said, I remember you know taking albums, running back to Cleveland, um, and I was showing albums because I had new cars and. Uh, my 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 grandmother, a mother's mother, she was afraid. She thought I was selling drugs because she saw me come and taking around and all this money and you know, oh my God, I hope you're not selling drugs. And they were never playing my music nowhere in Cleveland or or, or down south or nowhere. And where where you know my brother and family members, nobody heard my music, and it was big in you know overseas you know i got people meeting me at the airport i mean signing autographs it was crazy the success that was happening in europe for dance music and what has happened is that you know i tell people now because all of the cats that came up when i came up um you know i won't mention their names but they were big r&b's had billboard top tens and stuff like that they're asking me see man you know we need to work together and do a record together now because the one thing that i have to say lenny about r&b music is that as much as i loved it as much as i grew up with it uh uh, uh, uh for black americans there's a time period you know it, how many you know like you said the spinners or classics or blue magic or you know it's not it, you know there's a few like people like Earth, Wind, and Fire, or people that would that would stay that way for thirty years. But house music, you know, Barbara Tucker is still very relevant today as she Amen. was. Give her a where is BT? If a diva, if a diva wanted to come out now with a record, she could she could be touring anywhere. A diva, you know, she kind of like retired. But Sybil, uh, uh, people that you never heard of, I mean, you know, Blaze, if they was want to come back. Ten City is getting ready to do a new album. No, Byron's in the middle of it right now. They're writing it now. Byron Byron was in South Africa touring and he's, you know, we we're we're old. So we you know You ain't old, you're wicked. But Lenny, Lenny, look, look, Bon Jovi is old and he's still touring. You know hey, wait a minute. I'm got you see Big Jagger's old and they're going strong. Yeah look so in house music there was a there there's been that plateau like I said, I, 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 every time I get called, and I'm getting called only because of the pandemic that, and all my tours, all my concerts are postponed. I'm working. And it's like, huh? I am working. So I, I, I find that a blessing. And that's because, yes, house music probably will never be as huge in America as soccer is to the world. Think about that. I, I always use that, that you know, that scenario american football is a is is what one of the biggest sports in america you know you you have you have you have america you have american football in the uk you have american football in spain but it can't top soccer soccer is now soccer is becoming big here but you know back in the day soccer is the is in fact they call you soccer you know football. who the hell pele was in this country exactly exactly so you know you look at it I didn't know this, you know, for me, 
I was depressed in the 90s. I was like, man, I, I'm not, you know, here come Babyface and all these cats. And, you know, I'm like nowhere near them or, or, or you know, I, I did BT maybe twice. Nobody knows me. But I got them checks. And that's, and, and you know, the checks and the security. I was able to raise a family. I was able to do certain things. And then I have a fan base that still loves me to this day. You know, we'll talk about that because I remember you worked with Airplane Records, Mara Ferrucci. You went and you went and put yourself in many different arenas of, of the dance. Just about, yeah, yeah. You also went to more of the e, not only EDM, but let's just say the harder sound, and you started, you know, expanding your genre a bit mm -hmm. in this dance music mm -hmm. scene. But you know, we always go back to where it all begins for someone, and that that first you know break that leg moment was it had to be someday. Yes. You know? Good, yeah. bad, or indifferent with the fight and all. Who the hell knew about the fight? I didn't know about that. All I knew, <laughs> all I remember was, all I remember was hearing that record, well, getting that record at the time. I knew Carl Bias and I, I knew about the record being done at that time in Chicago. But really, to know record becoming huge was, you know, hearing at the garage and hearing yeah. the band play that record. I mean, the last was, last night that he played there, I was before. The last night, yeah, he played it that. Guthrie, Lolita Holloway, I think Shaka. Was Shaka there that night? Because I know I, poured, I did a gig with Shaka, but you was there. You were there, Lenny. I remember. You, like a little skinny kid, I remember. You were there the last night at the, the garage. Wasn't you? I remember. You was in the booth. It was you. And it was me, Gwen Guthrie. Victor Rosado was there. Victor Rosado. A lot of us were there. Yes. Yes, yes. And I was I was new. I was one of the new artists. Who I was, was I? <laughs> I was a yeah, young kid. We were too. new. We were young. And it was it was an ama I, 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 it was it was an amazing night, you know. The last night. I'll never forget that. Larry Levan, definitely I mean, I remember hearing that record and that record was played everywhere in New York. Every major yeah. club, white, black, whatever, Spanish, Indian, whatever club. You heard that someday. Because it was first of all, anything that was on a big record label got the attention more so than anything on an independent. You know, mm -hmm. right away it's like, oh wow, Atlantic Records. This is boom, 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 boom. And then it was like, wow, you that vocal? Not too far after we started hearing records like CC Penniston. They all had that same bass line. I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know where yeah. that came from. <laughs> Jefferson on there. We know where that shit's coming from because everybody's biting, biting on it, biting hard on the sound. You know, as we always talk hey, about. It was remade so many times. Oh my god! To this day, yeah, yeah. Never did you ever think that would ever take off like that, right? No, no. And I never thought that. Uh, like I said, I never thought that I would work with uh, Marshall. 30 years later, I, and I, I'm so excited because- uh, What are you working I, on now? He didn't even mention, he's, do you worked, know I mean? how good his memory with, is? We were back together, man. I worked with them on the Ten City Project. Uh, I, I sung with them on the Let's Get Busy to Just Out Now. Uh, it's myself, Marshall Jefferson, and these two Spanish cats. Uh, and like I said, even virtually, do, we're not Zooming, but we're just back and forth. I talk to Marshall every day. Every What's day. some of the chords? Can you show us some of those chords he's playing now with his one is he still doing the one finger technique? Oh Marshall's Marshall's evolved too. Now Marshall's evolved. I mean he's you know we're very the one finger technique 30 years later. No, 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 no. He he plays a little bit more now, but Marshall's uh 
he's a he's a connoisseur. Like I have all these headphones, like Nighthawks, and he's still a, he's still a te- he's more technical now than he was, uh, a, 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 or maybe more technical because you gotta understand he had a big, big, uh, uh, you know. In, in order to be somebody that you know, like the father, you know, they call him the Godfather of house music. This guy brought in rock. You know, his his big influence was like Led Zeppelin and 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 no, and that's some shit. Jimi Hendrix and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's just that's his. You know, and he brought that type of, you know, you know when he when he when he plays. So that kind of sound is is what we do. But you was talking about chords. What what chords you want to hear? Well, let the kids hear. Let the people hear. What's this new song that you're talking about? What 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 what, what um, fundamentals? Get, break it down. Well, a little bit of the that Ten City. I'm not gonna. I can't let you hear that because it's gonna be good. But uh, love is just a game. Um, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't remember that. Um, yeah, we we do it. I can't. I should have got prepared. I can't think of the chords right now. But all right, it's all right. Um, it's okay. Uh, so so then tell us the workflow what's going on now how is it what's what's the pecking order are you coming up with musical stuff is he sending you tracks how is this working out now how are we well, doing this to in present, present uh, kind of like what we did in the beginning we still work from scratch uh marshall was never a a, a dude that liked to do samples uh he's not a, a never been a sample type of dude he's uh and, and when they tried to put him in the box of like sampling or doing loops and stuff like that he was like no nah, i'm not gonna do that you know and uh he went on to experiment and do other stuff uh, uh like going up to 130 136 but he was never sampled so when i used to think of big time jazz artists that i was influenced by like keyboard players like ramsey lewis or, or, or bob james i have to put marshall in that innovative spot even though he's not like a keyboard player as a producer you know um i gave him this song um um, um, that we just did with 10 cities called love is just a game and uh i did the bass i did the keys i did the strings and he came in there and he put some some horn lines on there and, and, and did some melody stuff that just put it over the top you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it, it, has, it has a, you know, I put the melody down because I'm a big, big, big fan of Earth, Wind, and Fire. And I've always had this love of Byron Stingley as Curtis Mayfield, uh, Philip Bailey, you know, Sylvester, you know, he's one of the, he's, he, he, you know, not just house, but just singers. Um, the soul and, and the intensity of his falsetto is, is amazing. Um, so I was excited to be able to, you know, to work, it was overdue. In fact, I talked to Byron a couple of weeks ago and I said, Byron, this product, we, sh- we should have did this many, many years ago. But, you know, he was, we were, you know, we, and we were both on Atlantic at the same time. We were on Atlantic, but we were so busy doing the 10 City Project. I was so, so, so busy being CC Rogers, which was so different. But we had a chance to come back full circle back under Marshall Jefferson's, you know, reign. Under his reign, it's right? Beautiful. Yes, under his wing, yeah. Let's make everybody laugh for a minute. What's the worst gig you've ever had around the world? The worst gig? Ever. Man, I was at a, <laughs> I was performing for an orgy in Switzerland and didn't know it. Everybody came out. Uh, I was actually on the stage and I'm performing and 
the, 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 the people came out. It was in the mountains up in them ski resorts in Switzerland. And the, I should have knew something was funny because all the people had the white, you know, the white toga shit on. And I'm on stage and I'm performing and the DJ's behind me and they kind of figure I didn't know what was going on, you know, until like 10 minutes into the song, people just start taking off their clothes. I'm actually performing and people just start taking off their clothes. Did you start hands. singing it and you just stop singing while you sing it? I'm singing, man. I'm singing. singing you do reenact me. So, so sing a little bit. So tell us what you reenact. Like, just. What was I singing? Uh, 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 um... Come on, man. Make everybody laugh. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember, man, I can't. Okay, so if I was something like, Sunny, yesterday my life was filled with rain. I was a little faster. Sunny, you smiled at me and really, oh shit, he's so bad. <laughs> the dark days are done, titties are going everywhere. <laughs> it was amazing. Old people, oh man, it was, it was disgusting. And I like sex, but don't get me wrong. That was, that was, you know, I wasn't prepared for that. And 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 the people were laughing because I was like, and they was expecting me to go on performing. It was like really rich. I should have knew it was something funny, Lenny, because it was a lot you of money. Knew that this was gonna happen. It was like triple the money. They they put me in a private jet to come over there, and it was like so amazing. But that's the reason why it was some crazy shit. Excuse my language, but it was crazy. Yeah, that was one of the worst performances I ever had. I should have, it should have been one of the best, right? <laughs> Nobody mentioned to you pre to this, listen, you're going to go out there, it's going to get kind of funny. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. C.C. Rogers. Everybody comes out. C.C. comes out. Thank you very much. Music <laughs> starts. And then people are dancing, you're doing sunny. And everybody fucking stops. Well, I wasn't doing Sunny. I think I was doing, I don't know, uh, No Love Lost, whatever, whatever my hit songs are. All I know, I'm performing and people, first of all, people was dressed normal. Everybody was just, it was like start. But as I'm doing the performance, it changed. You know, people started coming in and they had the toga outfits. You've, you've, you've heard this. It was like a, it was like a scene from uh, uh, Caligula. Remember, remember the movie Caligula? You know, but with a band, I'm like with the band and the DJ behind me and we're performing. I have my keyboard and I'm like, I think, oh, I'll tell you what I was doing. I was doing, I was, I know, I remember the song I was doing. I was doing uh, uh, Promised Land. Brothers, sisters, someday we'll all be free from fighting, violence, and people crying. And all of a sudden, people started taking off their clothes. Lenny, it was amazing, but it was, it caught me off guard because it wasn't like, and when I'm saying people taking off their clothes, it wasn't like I'm around a whole bunch of models or the, these were like 50, 60 year old men just going butt naked and women. <laughs> going like this, Lord, please shield me from this pain. I can't. <laughs> no, so I can't. You I can't do this. And, and, and I was like, nah, 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 nah. I, I, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, because I've been used to people taking their shirts off, getting comfortable. It happened to me. Look, I did the grill New Year's Eve. The whole crowd went naked. That's the grill. That's, and they warned me. Are you okay with this? I said, well, you're paying me. 
I've seen worse. It's all right with me. As long as I know. <laughs> you, get, you know what you're coming. But they didn't even warn you. No warning? Ooh. I should have known. I, th I think that it was, it was expected for me to already know. But I didn't. I didn't pick up. I didn't see any of the signs. I it, it start. It was like when I was on the plane. When I was coming down off the mountain, it came to me. This is a you know. It was a private resort. It was a. I should have known, but I was so naive. Yeah, to but you know what? You gave him the keyword. Everybody said when he says free, <laughs> <laughs> brothers and sisters. When he says the word free in English, is the moment you start take your clothes off. That is your cold word. That is going to be the word of the night. Free. That was a crazy show. Never Give me did. your best gig ever. Ever, 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 ever. The Hacienda. Hacienda. Um, Manchester. In fact, I was I was with my I was with Marshall. Marshall, Kim Mazel, and myself. We did a tour, one of my first tours um uh, in the UK. I had came to the UK before to do a Helter Skelter because they was doing pirate radio, and that's when house music was being played. Um, it wasn't be playing on BBC, but it was being playing on private stations. Okay, that was my first time, and I was with Lolita Holloway, Jamanda. Uh, I think Marshall was out there, but then Marshall recruited me and Kemazel to go on tour, and I performed in the north, like Manchester, Nottingham, Liverpool, uh, and I immediately noticed the difference with the UK, and. You know, you would think like when you say the North here in here in the United States, the North might be prudish. The North in the UK is the party people. You want a party? It ain't London. It ain't Wales. It ain't the South. I'm sorry. Don't get me wrong. I love y'all down there. But you want a party? You want a party? You already know. It's the North. You got to go. Well, up they're very there. soulful, musically oh speaking. God. And I went to a place called the Hacienda in Manchester, and it was amazing because, uh, you know, the whole the whole black and white thing. I, you know, uh, I grew up in the '60s, and uh, I've always dealt with uh, racism. Uh, maybe not on the same level of being beat up or police brutality in that sense, because I was just always one of these people that okay, I'm black, and either I'm going to conform. Or I'm not. So when they call me nigga or whatever, I'm just going to deal with it and, and keep my mouth shut to live for the next day, uh, which is why I have a lot of love for the for the for the new generation of kids that fight, uh, because I wasn't one of those fighters. Yes, I would put it in my music. Um, I and, and like I said, it was, you know, all my music from all joint hands someday. Uh, Can we live? Brothers and sisters has always been about fighting for racial equality. <clears throat> and it's been my struggle. So I, I don't have to say, well, what, how do you feel about being a black America or what's going on in a day and time? Just, just listen to the lyrics of my song. It, 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 it's clear. It, it, it's defiant. And I, like I said, Someday wasn't doing anything here in the States. It was being played Tony Humphreys, Morales, you, uh, Larry LeVan, you guys were, were, were playing it, but you weren't mainstream radio DJs, you guys. Hell no, man. My crowd was all black. <laughs> the record player was playing at the bottom. Y'all was not, y'all was, you know, it was playing, it was, it was being played, and it was played in the gay clubs. It was being played That's in San right. Francisco. It was being played in Miami, but it was never, it was just not mainstream. So when I went over to UK, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be in an underground thing. 
I went to this club called Manchester. I never forget. I think it was about 350, 400 people. But I, when I tell you, Marshall, uh, two of the bodyguards there, um, and the road manager with us, there was four black men, black people in the whole club. Five. Bodyguards. Including yourself. Including yourself, Marshall. You know, five black people. So it was 98% white people performing. When I started singing someday, not only were they singing the words, and they knew every lyric of the song. When I went someday, hold that note. There was no social media. There was no Facebook. There was nothing. But they, everybody had lighters. They clicked them lighters, turned it on, and they put it up in the air. And you can look out. And there was movement, but it was like, to me, it was almost if like I didn't hear anything. It was like, I'm hitting that note, and I'm looking out at all these white people. Like I said, my mentality, 24 years old, apartheid is going on. White people don't understand what I'm going through, you know. I, you know, especially here in America. No, they're not. So you can't expect it. <laughs> what am I? What am I expecting? I'm just let me just get this song. They're gonna hear the beat. They like the beat. No, Hacienda under. It was one of the first times in 1987, my brother. Okay, 1987. Uh, uh, you know, remember apartheid. Uh, 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 Mandela is still in jail. You know, so much going on. The the the, the Berlin Wall. Everything's going on. This 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 racism still going on, and all these white people in the northern part of it put the light on, and they click. As I'm singing someday, all the way to the end, and they clap when I was finished. It was more than just an applause. It wasn't like what a great performance. It was. I felt for that moment that these purple understood what I was talking about. And I remember, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I have nothing against it. I am not gay. But I remember running that, somebody grabbed me, I kissed him. I just grabbed him and kissed him. I'll never forget, he, he told me about that. He said, you kissed me. I was like, because was, it, was, it was so emotional. I couldn't believe the, 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 the impact. That was one of my best performances, 1987. And I've... Only 300 people I have performed for thousands. I've performed for the Pope. I've done great performance, but that was one of the best performances ever. And one of the most classic nightclubs in dance music history, Hacienda. Absolutely. In fact, I'm so happy because uh, the Hacienda, I just did something online with the Hacienda about three, four months ago. And uh, just stay tuned. We're waiting for, everybody's waiting for this pandemic to, 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 to pass over. But, you know, the Hacienda Orchestra, Oh, amazing musicians. Um, and uh, What song I, did you do for them? Someday. Oh, you did Someday. You did do All right. Yeah. 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 So, Let me uh, tell you something. I never forgot when I first went to England. It was the first time where I saw in London mixed marriages being accepted. Because here, <laughs> even though it was happening here, it's very on the underground. There... I was I was blown away to see black and white unity more, way way better than we've ever had in the United States. We've always you know, had this thing. It's amazing. Here. It's amazing because we as we as Americans, if if we just really learn 
our history. You know, and, and it's not until Lenny, when you start traveling, you start realizing, why is it so much that you could tell the difference between an African and an African-American? Well, when I went to Africa and, you know, they, 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 they gave me love, but they told me I was mixed. They told me I was mixed. You're, 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 you're African-American. You are mixed. You're not African. And at first I was kind of offended by that because I do look at the beauty of their skin and everything. No, they're right. Um, what do they mean I, by that? Did I, you explain I, have, I have the the first the first time I started dealing with racism was in my own family. I had cousins that looked like you. They were so light. They passed well, even with the hair and everything, and they were able to live in certain out of out of Springfield, out of Dayton, Ohio. It's, it's a, it was one of the first uh, uh, cities of first cities that one of the reasons why my grandfather had to leave New York to go to Ohio uh, because rate, you know, they allowed mixed marriages in the 40s, you know, black and white people getting married there. But what happened was, was that, you know, I had cousins who were, who, 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 who lived better, you know, lived in better neighborhoods and in, and to compensate where they had families, they would say that I was help or any of the dark skinned kids, we were, we were help. We weren't really, you know, then when I got famous, you know, that's my cousin or when it became popular, yeah, right. Right. My, he's my cousin Convenient. now, that's my Convenient. first cousin. And you're, but, you're, 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 but you were white, you were white because you were good, to, you, you passed for white, so you're going to be white, 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 white. Now you're, now it's okay to be black. It's amazing. Let's clarify that, right? Let's clarify that. <laughs> Well, it's out amazing. of Dayton and where you come from, some great bands like Slave, another one of our friends, Norma Jean, comes out of Ohio from Chic. Oh, man. Wait, man. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Lakeside, Heat Wave, Ohio Players. You want to go on? Cool in the Gang, even though they, 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 they found residents. They came out of Ohio. Cool. Robert Cool Bell is, is from Akron. Okay, is, so, Ohio people. There's something about that water, about that funk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that that, that funk. That, that funk Lake is, Erie. That Lake Erie's got some funky ass water. <laughs> that's funk, that was some funky. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of musicians come out of Ohio. Roger and Zap means a lot of lot of that, major major know. players. More bouncing yeah. out. So and out of that small town, all that small town of Dayton. Dayton was not that big of a city, man. How big yeah. is Dayton? Tell people. John, John Legend is from Spring Springfield. So yeah, Dayton is. Oh man, I forgot how many, but. Dayton is much smaller than, than Cleveland, you know, much yeah, smaller. Cleveland was the main city. Dayton's like yeah. the off city, right? Cleveland, so what, Columbus. What was the industry in Dayton? What was huh? the main industry in Dayton? Like Motown had GM, General Motors. What would have been in Dayton that would have brought people there to make, if you weren't, you know, a musician, what, what factories were you working in those days? What, what were the jobs? I really can't tell you. I don't remember so much. I lived in Dayton only for a, a small time and I visit, I have family members there. Um, I think that it was maybe a suburb because there was, it was, I don't know how close it was to Cincinnati or Columbus. I can't really say, uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I have to find out. It's in the history book somewhere, but I just know there was a lot of great musicians come out of there. I was in the, you know, sometimes out of out of hardship. Cleveland, it was steel. We had the USS. Yeah, steel. you had US Steel there. Yeah, no, no. and then also the two the Cleveland Browns. Shut up! Shut up, Lenny! Don't stop! <laughs> <laughs> <Browns. laughs> <laughs> 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 Michigan, 
Michigan didn't say the Indians, okay? <laughs> the Indians. He said the Browns. Cleveland Indians, okay. But anyway, <laughs> let's go on from there. A lot of great talent. Sometimes what happens at a hardship, and this is what we see, you know, like Motortown, Motown had all this Barry Gordy and the dream, all this stuff, and here you guys are. You didn't have no Motown to go to. You just had a dream of doing music, you know, and yeah. taking, it, taking it a step further. I mean, what, what makes a man like you go after going to Berkeley? What's the dream? What's that, you know, that passion? What made you do it? Music was always all around me. My mother, my mother is a singer and my, my father, everybody, you know, uh, in both sides of my parents, like uh, my, my, my granddad had a church. So I was always exposed uh, to music. So, um, and then in Cleveland, um, like you said, in hard times, everybody could sing every Cleveland and Detroit you know we used to go to Detroit Detroit was only an hour away from Cleveland and on Sunday I would go up to uh, 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 to play with uh, uh, the Winans or 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 the, or the, or the Clark family uh, Maddie Moss Clark would come and do seminars uh, if you remember the Clark sisters Karen Clark shares and all of them the mother Maddie Moss Clark who was an innovative of, of, of three-part harmony she would have youth houses where people like me and my, my, my brother, my sister, all of us was exposed. We were always around music. The, the crackhead could sing. They would be doing harmonies outside. Doom, 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 doom. And they were serious about it. They were just as serious about they crack. They were serious about how they harmonies. They wasn't. They wasn't singing sloppy. <laughs> so that's that's the culture, you know. And you had to sing. You you wasn't. It wasn't like I, I've been to churches in different other areas. Where go ahead, let the Lord use you and blah blah blah. It wasn't that way in Cleveland. You couldn't sing. You wasn't in the choir. <laughs> you couldn't sing, or they or or or, or you were, or you were told you were told, honey. You can sit up here, but you better not open your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you better lip sync. Yeah, yeah. Play your air volume. Do not. Yes. We do not yes. want to hear you singing. Yes, yes. <laughs> See, people don't get that. They think, you know, here, oh, but then, then here's a question that I should post to you now. Do you think it's okay that everybody gets awarded for average work or not even fair work anymore? Like everybody's a winner or was it better the old way where we competed to be the best at our craft? My personal uh, opinion about that is that competition is always good. Uh, uh, but constructive criticism is, is also good. There is, uh, you, you just can't beat a person to, to the point of depression. Uh, but in this day and time, I, I, it's like bingo for me. I don't know. I strive to be the best at what I can do. And I realized that, yes, it helped in a lot of ways, but it didn't actually uh, uh, guarantee success, you know. And success for me, you know, I think that if I, success for me was to be able to make a living doing what I love to do. And that was it. If and, and if that meant being a teacher, I was okay. I just knew that I loved music so much. Uh, I wanted to be the best singer, uh, even though I knew that I was not the best singer. 
but I strived and I never stopped striving even to this day. I, I, I want to sing better than what I sing before. And that's, that's a good thing. Okay. People take uh, a competition in a whole different way, but I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of telling people how great they are when they're not, or, or pushing. Yes. When kids are young, you have to protect them, but at a certain level, you have to, you know, you know, I remember the coach telling Shaquille O'Neal, man, if, if some people, you know, you can't, Shaquille was horrible. And in, in when he was at Jersey city, uh, in the school and, and, and who made these guys great, the coaches, you know? Yeah. Uh, Lenny, I don't, I don't, I don't, Nah, yeah, because, you know, today it's like, yo, man, you came in eighth place. God bless you. You did great. I mean, that's nice. But let's nah, be honest. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't I, like I said, it's a different, we, we learn. Lenny, it's also the same thing. There was, you know, there's so many di diagnoses of, of, of medical stuff. Uh, uh, back in my time, if you was crazy, you were just crazy. That That boy crazy. You know, now they got so many, you know, he suffered from post-mortem distress of this, this, this. There's so many bipolar. different. He's out. So we have to, we have to understand this, that we are constantly evolving. So science can have a, can, can play a big part. I don't know. Um, when it comes to my son, I'm very, you know, there was a time when my son was very angry with me. Uh, but then he would turn around and come back and say, dad, you were right. I remember uh, he's a great producer himself. And um, I remember when he was first getting into producing when he was 16 and 17, he was a big Green Day fan and loves rock. And he's finding himself still, even to this day, he can sing, but he was always, he, he always never felt that he was a great, great singer. I know that he's a much better singer than he thinks he is now, but I can only push him so, so, so much, you know, now in his production, I remember telling him, you can be better. This, this shit is sloppy. Lenny, when you do your, you're, you're, you're a producer yourself. Um, and when you, and you've produced a lot of great songs, even when you've done documentaries, you put your, you put your, your, your best in it. Nobody has to tell you, you don't need, you don't need your woman on the side going, Oh, baby, baby. you're going to do the best automatically. But that's from the schooling that you came from. You, you old school. Uh, you, you, you hear what I'm saying? Do, yeah, do there's a thing called mediocre is okay now. Mediocrity. I don't believe in that. No, 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 no. The quality. The, the quality it's, it's, always it stands, always stands test of time. Quality will always stand. Good, bad, and indifferent. I agree. That's why I asked you, is it okay for us to promote eight, nine, and ten place? It's a question of, like I said, it's, it's, it could be either or it, I, I can't, I can't say yay or nay, you know, cause, cause I've grown into this point where, okay. I used to be an iPhone guy. Okay. iPhone to me was like the best phone on the planet at one time, but the truth of the matter was it was never the best phone on the planet. There was HTC, there was Samsung, there was, there were better phones, but if you market it better, cause the same thing, Lenny, when we came along and it was VHS and it was beta. VHS won over beta because what? It was easy to market. It was smaller and it had a big marketing campaign, but the best tapes was beta. Yeah, that's true. Let's beta Max, baby. Beta, beta Max. Beta Max was the best tape, was the best videotape, the best quality. It was so close. Beta Max was close to HD before there was HD, but it didn't, well, it died out. 
So yeah, well, mediocre, whatever. Do we market it? Look, look at this. Look at this president. Is he the smartest of what America is? No, but he's the most powerful man on the planet. Is he really smart? Do he represent the greatest minds here in America? Your kid is smarter than Donald Trump. Let's just be real. But hey. Who are you to say anything? Right, 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 right. Because you know, because your brain ain't as big as forty fives. Got the biggest brain ever. It's all right. He said it himself. He said it thousand times. Mark, I have a lot of words. I went to. I what? What school did you? I went to Warren Business School. The same sentences over and over again. I got a collective sound that sounds exactly the same. Listen, hey, you know what? It is what it is. It is what it is. Oh man, Michelle had me in tears. Oh man, it is what it is. She, oh, she had Lord, me. In tears. I love both of those Obamas. I bring them back Ooh, in, a, in a heartbeat. Michelle is. I Lord. love racial equality. First of all, I am a person that believes for us to be so evolved the way we are. What made America? And you said it earlier in the in the broadcast. You said. What made America great was the different nationalities and ethnicities that came together and brought this common denominator, success. Everybody came with their piece of it. It wasn't, oh, because he's white, he's black, he's Spanish, he's Indian, he's uh, Pakistani. It was, he was smart. We love what his ideas are and we're going to you know, invest in it. That was what the thoughts were. Some of the greatest minds were the minorities. One of the, why, one of the reasons why I stay so close to the New York area is because how diverse it is. You know, people, don't get me wrong, I, I, I've lived in Italy, I've, 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 I've stayed, I've spent months and months in Finland or Denmark or different places. There's nothing like America when it comes to diversity, especially in places like California or New York City. Where you have so much, you 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 know. Uh, true. I speak Italian, you know, and 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 when I go into Little Italy, whether it's Little Italy here in New Jersey or Little Italy in uh in, in New York, I go in that community and I speak their language. They look at me and they welcome me. You know, it's a it's a this culture, this diversity. What makes America is why so many people want to come here. You know opportunity but the fact that we are so diverse yes it, it it's it was a nasty way of how we got this way you know uh, a, a black american slavery built this country made us go out ahead you gotta know the history if you don't know the history you're gonna debate if you haven't traveled like you have lenny like you you've been around the world you can't understand and appreciate what makes america so beautiful but the truth of the matter is, is that He's with right. all with all the stuff that we've done, the wars that we want, we're in trouble right now. This might be this might be the change. And and is that and what you, they were talking about you, in the biblical sense of Babylonia? Yeah, no, could be, bro. Could be, but it's it's it's. I couldn't believe, like I said, the stuff that has went on this last four years. These last four years, you wouldn't have. Yeah, even when he was elected, I was I cried because I was like, I can't believe this guy. Because you got to understand. I met this dude. I met this dude at Fashion Week. Me and David, we, we saw how, how we met this guy a couple of times. And it's like, it's funny because I can get into moral logo because of my status, but the people that support him, he wouldn't have them 
VIP? Are you? There is no guest list tonight. They would they, they would even get you Excuse know me. they wouldn't even get, they wouldn't even Trump. these people that are in the Midwest that love Trump that would support him and vote. It's amazing because they they couldn't even get into it. They they. That's another story, man. I'm not even gonna get excited. <laughs> you, but you understand what I'm saying. I hear you. I hear you. You know, people wanting to hear about the Michael Proctor story when he came around. You too is like, you know, when what part of your life was that? Because we just lost him too recently. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Michael yeah. Proctor is no longer with us. Another big name, and how you know, again, and uh, another brother that was known in the R&B circuit that crossed into the dance game. Yes, and and yes. And, and saw the light of success. Yeah, well. Yeah, well, I met him at the, uh, we did a show together at the Southport Weekender, and uh, we shared we shared a, a ride on a plane back. Very amazing brother. Amazing brother. Good brother. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had another friend of mine, Dwayne Holt, who played Studio 54, and he said to me, yo, man, Trump treated me so good when I played at his party. He gave me an extra tip. It's like 1984. He said, he's not such a bad guy, and this is a black brother, Dwayne. I love Dwayne. And I said, Dwayne, but yeah, that's different when he's your boss and you're playing for him at a club and running a, running a country. It's not the same. And look, everyone's gonna hate me. I know there's a lot of Trump supporters, and you've upset. I don't. And I'm not here to bastardize Trump or to make him a saint. Things are what they are due to what we're dealing with. It is what it is. You know. Somebody had told me, and it was true. I remember being in a in a part of Italy, and uh, I, I was always saying, "I love Italy. I really love Italy because uh, I've al I've always been treated." I feel like I could take that vest of racism off. And then I ran into an African who had grew up in, 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 um, in Italy, in uh, Tuscany. And we were speaking and he says, my brother, you will never see the racism that I saw of the Italians because you were famous when you came here. It's like, okay. He says, so be careful when you when you when you when you say what you say don't get me wrong i still have my feelings because that's my feelings you know but maybe because i'm also american and there's such a, a i've never dealt don't get me wrong, i deal with racism anywhere i'm not saying that all it all the italians are are, are, are not racist to come on or racist no i have italians that i've grown to call my brother you know i love the italian culture i love their culture for for a lot more reasons than just the history of it and and the way the people treat and if i had to go live in the in, in europe right now i preferred to stay in italy than i do in england i would struggle with the language then i would go in the uk and don't get me wrong i love my people in the uk but i can't get with that four rather four different weathers in one day <laughs> i don't want to be you know i gotta have an umbrella you know four different weathers a day or 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 that shepherd's pie <laughs> You you're not gonna get you ain't gonna you ain't gonna switch me from the Italian cuisine. They try to now Croatia. That's some good, some good food. That's some good meat. But I love Italian. Right now, you heard it like <laughs> his sponsorship, Croatia, my new home. <laughs> no 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 no. I, I I lost my mind there because I went to Kuwait. I I I wish I could do an Anthony Bourdain. You know that's one of my weakness. I love to eat. I love. Oh, I'm a stranger to a fork and knife either, brother. 
I love good food. That's that's another that's a big weakness of mine. I love good food. And I was in Croatia and and, and Marshall turned me onto it first. He said, Croatia, he said, Man, you gonna that meat, man. I don't know. They I had the best pizza. I said, Man, you're crazy. The best pizza you're gonna ever find is in Napoli, period. You know. Now their pizza was pretty good, but their meat. And the reason why their meat is better to me than, than, than the Italian cuisine is